We have 10 confirmed deceased individuals. We have 13 active crime scenes that we are investigating. The initial calls were for victims of stabbings. Now on the news hour, massacre in Saskatchewan. At least 10 people killed and 15 more injured. The two suspects still at large plus. Fire and rain, the wildfire fight province-wide escalates. I think it's good that it's finally raining after a long time. Despite a little help from the weather and... The community came together then in 1922 and the community and our allies are coming together on Monday. An apology a century in the making. The Vancouver Island School Board set to say sorry for segregation. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin with what is believed to be the deadliest mass stabbing spree in Canadian history tonight. Ten people are dead and many more injured after a morning massacre in Saskatchewan that sparked alerts in three provinces with the suspects still at large tonight. Krista Dow joins us live in studio with what we know at this point on this unfolding situation. Krista. Sarah, the whereabouts of the two suspects believed to be behind these violent and deadly attacks is unknown at this hour, and their motive still unclear, but it's believed some victims were targeted while others were attacked at random. The manhunt is on across three provinces, including Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba, for the two suspects being identified as 31-year-old Damien Sanderson and 30-year-old Miles Sanderson. It's unclear the relationship between the two. Right now, RCMP say 10 people were fatally stabbed, while 15 others were injured and were taken to hospital. The stabbing crime scene is expansive. The attacks happened at 13 scenes right across Saskatchewan, including the James Smith Cree Nation and the village of Weldon. RCMP say the suspects may be traveling in a black Nissan Rogue with Saskatchewan license plate 119 MPI. They were last spotted shortly after noon local time in Regina. If Damien and Miles are listening or receive this information, I would ask that they turn themselves into police immediately. They are considered armed and dangerous. At this point, we don't know if they have changed vehicles since this morning. Their location and direction of travel is unknown. This is why we need everyone in the province to stay vigilant and report any suspicious activity by calling 911 immediately. Sarah, RCMP and BC tell us they have not been called to assist in the manhunt, but that, of course, could change given this fluid situation. Police say there is beefed-up enforcement at the Saskatchewan Riders game in Regina. The priority right now is to locate these two men considered armed and dangerous. All right, Krista Dow, thank you, and we will have details on this developing story as we get them throughout the evening tonight. A BC man has now been charged in the stabbing death of a man in Banff this weekend. 20-year-old John Prulet from Lake Country has been charged with second-degree murder. RCMP say just after midnight on Saturday, a 27-year-old man was fatally stabbed following a fight outside a local bar. The victim was rushed to hospital but later died of his injuries. A second person who was initially arrested has now been released after it was determined he was not directly involved in the incident.
To breaking news now from just across the border in the waters off Washington State in Puget Sound, where a float plane has crashed and a rescue operation is currently underway. The U.S. Coast Guard says the aircraft went down in Mutiny Bay just west of Whidbey Island with eight adults and one child on board. Local first responders from Whidbey Island are responding to the crash. The conditions of those on board that plane is unknown at this point. To the escalating wildfire fight in this province now, with multiple alerts in place in the interior and the peace region this long weekend, prompting evacuation orders and alerts. Grace Key reports. Strong winds are expected to be a challenge for the battleship complex blaze that consists of six separate wildfires caused by lightning. There are two fires of particular concern. The battleship mountain fire, about 50 kilometers west of Hudson's Hope, is at 10,500 hectares. The district has declared a state of local emergency. And the Bear Hole Lake fire is at 2,500 hectares. Evacuation orders and alerts have been issued. Both are burning out of control and not much rain is expected. We are expecting quite a lot of wind. Yesterday, the fire growth was mainly wind-driven. Um, we are expecting that same wind today. Um, so around 15 to 20 kilometers of sustained winds, but we can see gusts up to 45. And tomorrow, we are, we are expecting to see gusts potentially up to 75 kilometers an hour. In the squamish Lillooet Regional District, an evacuation order and alert has been issued for the Downton Creek wildfire about 18 kilometers southwest of Lillooet. The fire grew from 200 to 674 hectares, but progress is being made. Portions of this fire are burning in that steep and inaccessible terrain up at higher elevations, and that's kind of where we saw a lot of the increased activity the past couple of days on this one. Um, so at those higher elevations today, we are seeing a lot more decreased activity, and that's due to the good recoveries that we have overnight and the cooler temperatures, which are really benefiting in fire activity. Recreational sites and trails have been shut down. There is also an area restriction put in place. Highway 99 is open, but there is a travel advisory between Pemberton and Lillooet due to limited visibility because of the smoke. Grace Key, Global News. And to some positive news on the wildfire front, as a large wildfire burning near Lytton is no longer considered a wildfire of note. The Nahaman Creek wildfire first broke out July 14th on the west side of the Fraser River, northwest of Lytton. It's about 4,100 hectares in size, and it is suspected to be human-caused. The BC Wildfire Service says the fire is expected to be out of control until it's naturally extinguished, with the Lytton First Nation monitoring its growth in the meantime. Smoke may continue to be visible in nearby communities, as that wildfire burns out. But based on fire behavior modeling, officials say there is no present or predicted threat to populated areas. After the hot, dry summer that left those wildfires and the province sizzling for most of August, the south coast saw some rain today for the first time in weeks. And while that precipitation was a relief for so many, more heat is in the forecast, although it won't be quite as intense. Kristen Robinson reports. After six weeks of dry weather, the umbrellas are back in downtown Vancouver. This is liquid sunshine. We're in liquid sunshine. It's beautiful. I think it's good that it's finally raining after a long time. It's been more than a month since YVR saw significant rain on August 3rd. Climate stats show last month was the hottest August on record with an average temperature of 20.3 degrees. YVR recorded only 3.6 millimeters of rain through August which typically would see 10 times as much, or 36.7 millimeters. 
First day of the Fraser Valley Rodeo and we get this weather, first rain in a month and a half, but hey, it's a party. Just loving it, thank you. It's unfamiliar to me, I haven't seen it for a long time. I kind of find it refreshing. Yeah. I don't mind it. Especially after the heat wave the South Coast has experienced. On Friday, BC set a new September record for the highest temperature when Lytton reached 39.6 degrees Celsius. We really needed the rain. It's a night break, weather. it's not cold, it's fine. The reprieve will be short-lived with sunshine in the forecast, although meteorologists say it won't be as hot. September, as far as we can see right now, is certainly not a washout, but what is going to change is we're going to move away likely from that on and off heat warnings that we've seen through the latter part of the summer, more towards near or just slightly above temperatures, above seasonal temperatures. The late blast of summer precipitation means the Peony, which often gets rained on, managed to avoid scenes like this until the second to last day. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And Christy Gordon joins us once again now with more on what we can expect in the next few days. Christy, that is a very big foreboding cloud behind you there. I know, but you know what? Don't worry too much. I mean, we still do have a few showers in the forecast, possibly for this evening, but overall conditions are dry. Tomorrow morning, we still do have a slight chance of showers in through the Fraser Valley, northeast metro Vancouver, but overall, we've got a clearing trend on the way, and we're right back to sunshine, everyone. So the key will be the temperatures over the next several days. Finishing off the long weekend with a high of 21 degrees, right where we should be for this time of year, and as the kids head back to school, we'll see just slightly above seasonal conditions. So nice and comfortable and it comes with sunshine. Sarah, back to you. Hey, Christy, thanks. We will chat with you in just a few minutes. The Greater Victoria School Board is issuing an apology this week, a century in the making. Tomorrow, 100 years to the day since a segregation policy came into effect, the school board is saying sorry. Kamal Kermali now on writing a historic wrong. So the date is here. It may have been a hundred years ago, but the brave actions of these Chinese students is still being felt in Victoria today. I feel the courage of the students. I mean, I love the fact that they stood up. The summer of 1922, the school board in the province's capital passed a resolution to segregate all Chinese students up to the seventh grade. On September 5th of that year, principals removed Chinese students from their classes and walked them down to one of three Chinese public schools in the city. Which has the worst conditions of any school in the province. It's actually much of the schools below ground level. But as they approached the school, the students had something else in mind. All of a sudden, one of the kids gives a shout in Chinese and like a flash, the parade disbands and kids run away and the principal's left standing in the middle of the roadway wondering what he's going to do. It was a plan concocted by the Chinese community, parents and activists, but it was the students who had the courage to put it into action. I love that. I mean, to, for them to take that, that stance to demonstrate agency in the face of such blatant uh, discrimination and racism, I am cheering all the way. And so began a school strike that would last for a year. The students boycotted classes, their actions supported by several local Chinese associations. Setting the foundation for the modern day Chinese community in Victoria. I say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart because your courage is what made, gave me the ability to go forward and have my, to have my education and those of my of my children and grandchildren. You made us 
who we are today. A march will take place September 5th to mark 100 years since the students' strike, following in their footsteps, ending up at this park near where the protest began and where the school board will now issue a public apology for the wrongs committed a century later. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Coming up, tens of thousands keeping cool in the streets. The triumphant return of the annual sick parade to Abbotsford, the celebrations and the party after a years-long pandemic pause. Plus, you can see the orange of the fire right there. That is absolutely insane. An explosive fire balloons in size. The wildfire fight one province east and the efforts of crews to contain it. That's after the break. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, this weekend, the sick community in the Fraser Valley is holding one of its largest public events in three years after a pandemic pause put an end to parades in 2020. Paul Johnson was in Abbotsford today for the triumphant return of a much-loved street celebration. By the time the daddy Gurwinder Singh Bane's band got into high gear, their float on Town Line Road had pretty much crawled to a stop. Officials said they were expecting 100,000 would turn out for the return of the Nagar Kirtan procession. It's likely they got that, and it was certainly the biggest gathering anywhere in BC Sunday. It's been a while since it happened too, so it's like it's nice being here again. Though the air is festive, the procession is actually a serious religious ritual that sees their holy book carried along on a float, a moment to celebrate the uplifting principles of Sikhism. One of the main uh, like lessons that uh, uh, Sikhism gives us equality. So what's the number one thing that you want to eat that you're going to go for top priority? I don't know. Bread pakode. Okay. And like so many other faiths, there's a special thing going on with food. Not only is there an abundance of different kinds of foods, it's delicious and free. What other event do we have where the big risk is that you'll down a third mango lassi? If you've never been, there's a lot to learn and enjoy at the Nagar Kirtan procession. In Abbotsford, Paul Johnson, Global News. It is the second day of the inaugural Valley West Stampede in Langley this weekend. It's the first ever rodeo to take place in the township, which includes bull riding, bareback riding, ladies barrel racing, and saddle bronc riding. But the event, which is sanctioned by the Canadian Professional Rodeo Association, has faced pushback from animal rights advocates. The BCSPCA has claimed the rodeo's events can cause pain and distress to animals. The stampede runs through to Labor Day Monday. Well, Swiss chalet lovers will have to head out of province to satisfy their cravings as the last restaurant in B.C. has closed its doors permanently. Slow roasted over an open flame to tender, juicy perfection. Enjoy your
The chicken chain, known for its chalet sauce and festive specials, was a fan favorite. After 25 years on the low heat highway near Boundary, the Burnaby location was set to close last December due to the impacts of COVID-19 and an expiring lease. But loyal customers could not stomach losing their Swiss chalet and lined up for more over the holidays. The restaurant ended up earning an 11th hour reprieve to stay open for at least three more months on a renewed lease. But in late August, the popular restaurant shut its doors for good. Alberta still has 14 Swiss chalets, including locations in Calgary and Edmonton. Coming up, the wildfire fight, one province east. The terrain that the fire is in is very steep and rugged. The monstrous blaze that has more than quadrupled in size in Alberta plus. tear-jerking tribute to a musical legend from his son, the drum solo you won't want to miss. That's after the break. In Alberta, fire crews are still working to suppress a monstrous wildfire burning in Jasper National Park tonight. The Chetaman wildfire has grown more than four times in size since yesterday, and the weather is why. At this point, Parks Canada says aggressive wildfire activity has made it unsafe for even fire crews to be on the ground. Wildfire smoke is also affecting visibility on Highway 16 in Jasper, impacting traffic. Nicole Stilger reports on this evolving situation. This is a look at the Chetaman wildfire from above, burning about 20 kilometers north of Jasper. As of Sunday morning, it grew to more than 1,500 hectares in size, up from about 400 hectares on Saturday. Not unheard of in terms of wildfire growth, given the uh, weather conditions. It's been hot, dry and windy, and that's not doing fire crews any favours. The other issue is smoke, which is significantly reducing visibility limiting our ability for helicopters from time to time as well. The terrain that the fire is in is very steep and rugged, which is limiting our ability to safely put firefighters right against the fire's edge at this time. Katie Ellsworth says the top priority is further protecting the critical infrastructure that powers the town of Jasper. As of Sunday afternoon, the wildfire spread beneath the power line, damaging up to 10 poles. While there's no direct fire threat to the town, residents should be prepared for a potential power outage brought in some private contractors who are currently setting up sprinkler systems along that power right-of-way. Sprinklers are also set up to protect the historic Moberly homestead. At last estimate, it's about one kilometre from the wildfire. We could see the mountains again today. Um, it, it's really cleared up. The winds have shifted. Municipality of Jasper Mayor Richard Ireland says that's a stark contrast to Saturday. He says it's still a busy long weekend, but the town is alert to the situation and the possibilities. People are taking it more or less in stride. They understand that we live in a natural environment. These things can happen. And should the power go down, important infrastructure is protected. It's got um, backup generation capacity, so we would not lose critical infrastructure. So um, our utilities would still be provided. People would still have water. Um, hospital and things like that. While the fire continues to burn out of control, there is hope for some relief in the form of cooler temperatures. We are anticipating a slight a decrease in the fire behavior in the coming days. Nicole Stilger, Global News. 
And a wildfire in the rural northern California town of Weed has destroyed or damaged more than 130 structures. The mill fire, which erupted on Friday, is 25% contained and has burned more than 17 square kilometers. The fire reportedly started at an old mill building before spreading to nearby vegetation, but the cause remains unknown. At least three people have been injured and about a thousand more have been forced to leave their homes. Well, Wembley Stadium was rocking in London, England last night as the Foo Fighters took to the stage for the first time since March. The star-studded event was a tribute to the band's late drummer, Taylor Hawkins, who died suddenly earlier this year. And there was one extra special guest in the house. Take a look. That is Taylor Hawkins, 16-year-old son Shane, stealing the show as he performed My Hero with the band using his dad's drum set. Hawkins died at a hotel in Bogota, Colombia in late March, sending shockwaves through the music industry. The concert was the first of two gigs organized by the musician's wife and bandmates with all proceeds going to charity. Coming up, would you cast your ballot for Mule for Mayor? It's a serious question for voters in one BC city. We, we will tell a you really good where chance. a donkey is getting in on the democratic process. That's after the break. Stay with us. <laughs> You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Welcome back. A festival with global geopolitical undertones took over the streets of downtown Vancouver today. It's a really fun way of exploring and reflecting on the word independence and what it means for everybody. Taiwan Fest took over Granville Street and the Art Gallery Lawn on this rainy Sunday afternoon for this year's installment of the Dialogue with Asia series. This year, the festival is honoring Indonesia and Malaysia, two countries that gained their independence after the war, celebrating the two countries' food, music and culture and the links they share with Taiwanese culture. So the stories of independence is really something that we're trying to understand whether or not uh, when a country is independent, whether or not people can be independent. And it, many people you know, also talk about Taiwan uh, trying to become independent. But, you know, in fact, Taiwan is actually, uh, you know, allowing people to have the freedom of expression. And so it's technically independent. The festival continues tomorrow, same time, same place. Meantime, the 2022 Polish Festival took over the shipyards in North Vancouver today. The event showcased local artists and featured traditional Polish cuisine, music, singing and folk dancing. Organizers say the one-day festival is important to the local Polish community and it also marks Polish Heritage Month in this province. I think it's also very, very important this year because it is Polish Heritage Month, the first ever in British Columbia. Uh, so I think it's a very, very important event and it is the first event of Polish Heritage Month in BC. Christy Gordon joins us now with weather. Christy, rain today, a sight for sore eyes for so many. Oh, I don't know if we have Christy. Okay, let's carry on. We'll chat with Christy soon. And another name has been put forward in the mayoral election in Grand Forks, but it is not somebody or something you would ever expect. Victoria Famia reports. Some people want him to go all the way to, the, to Ottawa, to the legislature there, but I tell him he has to start at the bottom and work up. 
This is Lobo. He's a donkey in Grand Forks who's on his way to making a run in the city's mayoral election. As a joke, I put it on Facebook. What do you think about Lobo for mayor? Well, the comments are still coming in. Like some people will say, I'll get behind Lobo or um, I hope he takes a bite out of crime. Um, it goes on and on. Lobo's official nomination will be submitted by the end of the week by his owner, otherwise known as his campaign manager. And with his poised and professional attitude, O'Connor says he'd be a perfect fit to run the city of approximately 4,000 people. He observes everything and he's not quick to rush into it. He waits, he studies, he, he's a good judge of character. While it's too early to know who Lobo will be running against in the race for mayor, his campaign manager is very hopeful he'll come out with a win. We have a really good chance of winning. Yes, we do. I think right now there's only one other person running for mayor, possibly two. Um, Lobo's got a good chance. Proving he's for the people, Lobo even took time out last winter to help shovel driveways. I think it was our first snowfall and he likes to do anything that I'm doing. And I put my shovel down and he picked it up and I thought, oh, here's an opportunity. And I grabbed my camera and I started filming. He was pushing where I had already shoveled snow but he didn't want to give me the shovel back, so I just let him go with it. If Lobo doesn't get to run for mayor, O'Connor hopes he can be a part of the council in some way, even as a backup mayor. The election is scheduled this October. Victoria Famia, Global News in Grand Forks. Okay, that is very funny. I've never heard of a backup mayor, especially a donkey. Uh, let's go back to Christy Gordon, who has our weather forecast. Christy, there you are. Good to see you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much, Sarah. You know, as we talked about, you know, it really is just one blip and the plants needed it today. The rainfall, they were thanking us, I'm sure, not thanking us, but Mother Nature. Uh, we are right back to sunshine, as we talked about, and we've got great conditions on the way. Quickly, though, let's have a look. A severe thunderstorm warning still in place, and that's for the caribou, then both the north and south regions, so including Quinell as well as Williams Lake. It looks like the bulk of the thunderstorms are now east of the highway, but continuing to travel towards the east. Uh, the possibility of um, nickel-sized hail within these thunderstorms, the strong gusty winds as well as downpours are uh, what we're watching for. Uh, we do have a severe thunderstorm watch in place, and that's the area in yellow, and that's for the Prince George region. But overall, I think you can expect conditions to continue to ease off as we head through the evening hours. So front move through the region, that's what brought the cloud and the showers to our region. It as, as well also helped to sort of disperse. This was Kelowna yesterday. They had some improvement today and it will likely be some improvement tomorrow, except for areas in the far southern Okanagan Valley from Karameas towards Asus, Grand Forks. We're expecting widespread smoke there and that's the case in through the southern parts of the Kootenai region, especially over towards Cranbrook. Also some smoke in the area from Lytton over towards Kamloops, but at least some movement. Here's a look at tomorrow. We do have a slight chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorms for areas north of Kamloops. South of there, mainly sun. We do have a slight chance of showers through the Fraser Valley. Otherwise, you can expect sunshine for your holiday Monday and into the first day of school also. So there's that slight chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorms across the far north, but areas further south, beautiful conditions. You can see cloud cover in Asuyus and Cranbrook there. That's because of the widespread smoke. And for the south coast, sunshine after we get rid of some of that cloud cover in through the morning. Again, slight chance of showers out through the Fraser Valley, but overall terrific conditions for the next few days. Uh, temperatures on Tuesday may warm up to highs of about 24 degrees. Wednesday, 23, that's above seasonal for this time of year. But overall, we've got lots to look forward to, as you can see here, Sarah.
Thank you so much, Christy. We'll chat with you soon. And Barry DeLay joins us now live in the studio. Hi, Barry. How are you doing, Sarah? Good. You're talking about the classic rivalry that I love coming up in sports. Canada versus U.S. women's it, hockey. Yeah, that's probably mm. the, uh, one of the best hockey rivalries. Uh, men, women, children, whoever is mm. playing each other. And uh, another classic battle today for the gold medal at the World Women's Hockey Championships. Uh, spoiler alert, happy ending for Canada. So we'll have highlights of that coming up. And the Whitecaps have pretty much a must win tonight in San Jose. Uh, they'll just be kicking off as I come back. So we'll uh, check in with them as well. All right, love it. Cannot wait. Thanks so much, Barry. Coming up, meet the local designer taking the runway by storm. This fabric was sent for me from Nigeria by my parents. The colors and the cuts all inspired by her African heritage, gaining a loyal following here in BC. That's after the break. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. Welcome back. Well, even the best laid plans can go awry, as we all know, but that's turned out to be a blessing for a budding lower mainland fashion designer who initially came to Canada with a very different type of success in mind. But she found it instead on the runway. Here's Jay around with tonight's This is BC. So today I'm stressed. Nobody said this would be easy, but fashion is all Oge Ajibe has ever wanted to do ever since she was a kid when she tried stitching clothes from her mom's fabric store in Nigeria. I don't even know what I was doing. She came to Canada to study psychology at SFU until she got her first random customer at a student African art show who liked something she had made just for fun. Imagine the show finished, I was packing up, she came and like, I want to buy this dress from you. I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, I went to my friend, I'm like, she wants to buy this dress. Her future was set. Oge studied her craft and launched her own line. Bright colors like she grew up with. Uh, this fabric was sent for me from Nigeria by my parents. With plus sizes for customers who find they don't have a lot of options. It was coming to this country, I kind of understood that this aspect of people actually being neglected when it comes to fashion industry. Luke, hi. <laughs> she employs a small staff and hopes to expand someday. After I decided to go pick up some fabrics and headed back to the studio to do some cutting. Thousands of fans have been following her journey on social media. This new pants. Switching from psychology was a good idea. Those courses weren't that easy anyway. I'm not going to lie when I failed. <laughs> And I, my mind wasn't just to meet. It's a grind at times. Owning a business is crazy. But Ogi Ajibe followed her dream, and that passion for fashion is now paying off. The world needs to loosen up a little bit, and, and clothes is fun. <laughs> I actually found my voice in fashion, because I love what I'm doing. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you have a great BC story to share, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Returning now to breaking news out of Washington State and that float plane crash we are following. One person is dead and eight others are missing after the aircraft went down in the Puget Sound in Washington State. The U.S. Coast Guard said via Twitter Sunday afternoon that the plane was flying from Friday Harbor, a popular tourist destination in the San Juan Islands, to Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. The crash happened in Mutiny Bay, about 64 kilometers northwest of Seattle. The Coast Guard said one body was recovered and eight individuals remain missing.
Coming up, Squire Barnes joins us with a PE exclusive. This is kind of a temporary location, so there's a lot of like uh, a lot of work that goes in during the setup and the takedown. The curry with a cult following that's hard to get your hands on outside of the PE. The four-decade legacy served up by a local family. That's in just a few minutes. Stay with us. From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Global BC 980 CKNW and Rock 101 in supporting Recovery Day. Join thousands on September 10th to raise awareness, reduce stigma while connecting with healthcare service providers, enjoying family fun, and listening to great music including Tom Cochran, Snotty Nose Res Kids, and more. Head to the Western Bayshore Hotel for a Night to Dream Gala on September 17th. Be there for an amazing night all to support the families served by the Ronald McDonald House BC and Yukon. RMHBC.ca slash events for more details. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Welcome back. Barry DeLay is back with that happy ending that you promised us. <laughs> Yes, we're talking about the hockey game. Yes. Canada and uh, USA women. It was outstanding today. Thanks, Sarah. Or, uh, yes, Sarah, that's it. Uh, Canada and the USA met yet again today for the Women's World Hockey title. In 20 previous editions, Canada's won 11 gold, the Americans the other nine. So it's been a two-horse race for a while. The U.S. did beat Canada 5-2 earlier in the tournament, but today the Canadians played a stifling defense and won the game that really counted, edging the U.S. 2-1 for their record 12th Women's world title. Marie-Philippe Poulain, their captain, has a habit of scoring big goals in big games. Nine goals in 11 career gold medal games. First period, very tight checking. The only real chance from the Americans, Alex Carpenter, but hits the crossbar. Canada held the USA to just two shots in the first period. That didn't officially count as one. Canada opens the scoring mid-second off the rush. Breanne Jenner with a crafty play. Looks like she's going to pass, but the quick release from the sharp angle surprises U.S. goalie Nicole Hensley. one nothing. and a minute later on the power play, it's Jenner again this time. A little more classical shot, ripping it from her off wing to the top corner. Great shot, 2-0, Canada in control. But the Americans got a huge goal in the final minute of the second on the power play. Amanda Kessel, yes, Phil's sister, great play to set up Abby Rock. That makes it 2-1, momentum for the U.S. Third period, final minute, extra attacker for the Americans. Mad scramble in front, but... Kendall coins Schofield, absolutely robbed by Canadian goalie Anne-Renée Debien. Literally a golden save for Canada. They win 2-1, and the celebration is on. There's Sarah Potomac of Aldergrove getting her gold. Micah Zandi-Hart from Vancouver Island also getting gold. It's Canada's record 12th women's world hockey title. The uh, Lions are enjoying the Labor Day. Uh, let's talk to the Whitecaps first. The Whitecaps kicked off just moments ago in San Jose. Just six games and 18 points available for the Whitecaps. I think they need to get at least 15 points, so they pretty much have to win this one. Uh, they will uh, kick off against the last place Quakes, who are in last place. So if you can't beat the last place team, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. We'll see what the Whitecaps come up with. In this one, we'll have highlights of this coming up at 11. Earlier, Toronto FC and Montreal. TFC still with a chance to make the playoffs. Montreal has pretty much clinched a spot in the East. TFC got an early goal on a penalty from Federico Bernadeschi, and then Bernadeschi 
With the service here for the Italian connection, it's Lorenzo Insigne. You have to admit the skill level is at the top of the MLS for those two Italian boys. But Montreal's got some skill too. They score twice in a two-minute span. The second, this cracker from Georgi Mihailovic. Brilliant goal. It's 2-2 and Montreal wasn't done yet. Late first half, Kai Kamara with a spectacular play. Now this guy just turned 38 years old this week. I don't care if he's 18. That's a brilliant play. What a move and what a goal. And Montreal led 3-2 at the half and they have just hung on for a 4-3 road victory at Toronto. Premier League, Arsenal visiting Manchester United. Gunners perfect 5-0. Man United, three straight wins after opening with two losses. Arsenal had an early goal called back. United gets one that does count. The Brazilian Anthony showing some quality finish. It's 1-0. Second half now tied at one. Look at that pass by Bruno Fernandes. Perfectly weighted for Marcus Rashford, who picks his target, finds the back of the net. 2-1 in favor of Man U. And then the United puts this one to bed. Another break. Christian Eriksen will lay it off to Rashford for his second of the game. And uh, that 0-2 start, a distant memory. Four straight wins now for United. They look pretty good. Hand Arsenal their first loss of the season, 3-1. The Lions are enjoying the Labor Day weekend off. It's their final buy of the season, but they did make a move today to shore up the one area that's been pretty weak this year, and that's the kick return game. So they acquired Terry Williams from the Ottawa Red Blacks today for draft picks. Williams leads the league in total return yards, and he should be in the lineup next Friday when the Lions play again in Montreal. CFL Today, Bombers and Rough Riders in their traditional Labor Day weekend Sunday showdown. Riders jumped out 14-0, but Bombers get on the board. Zach Kalaros going deep to the former rider, Nick Dembski. Great adjustment to catch that one in stride. Looked over the left shoulder, then the right, and that's a great play. 50-yard TD cuts the Sask lead to 14-7. Bombers back for more. This time, Kalaros on the run finds Dalton Schoen. He does a great job to get a foot down, a 22-yard touchdown. Schoen's ninth receiving touchdown, tying in with the Lions' Dominique Rimes for the CFL lead. 17 all at the half, 2018 late fourth. Riders in scoring position, but they are picked off. Cody Fajardo's pass tipped and the Bomber defense comes up big and Winnipeg wins it by the final of 2018. They go to 11 and 1. Baseball today. Jays looking to complete a three game sweep in Pittsburgh against the Pirates. Jays up 2 0. will add to the lead. Kevin Biggio with a towering shot to right. A solo homer is fifth of the year. And that makes it 3 0 Jays. But the Pirates battle back to tie it. But in the seventh, Teoscar Hernandez up with two out and 0-2 count, clutches up, bounces the base hit up the middle. That scores the go-ahead run, and the Jays are back up top 4-3. Bottom of the ninth, Jordan Romano in to close it out, but gets into trouble. Bucks have runners at second and third, nobody out, but Romano really digs in. First, strikes out Josh Van Meter with the high heat. Next man up. Tucupita Marcano swings and misses the slider. Two away. And then pinch hitter Kevin Newman. Have a seat. Romano strikes out the side. His league leading 30th save. Big win for the Jays. They lead the Orioles by two and a half for the final wild card. And they play a doubleheader in Baltimore tomorrow. Yankees and Rays. Tampa owns the top wild card spot. But have moved to within four games of the reeling Yankees. Who once led by 15 and a half just a few weeks ago. Aaron Judge has done all he can. Uh, 
Look at this, his major league leading 53rd home run. That makes it one nothing New York. And then in the seventh, Judge is on third base and he will come home on this sack fly to left. Judge scored all three Yankees in the series and New York does hang on for the 2-1 win. Mariners, by the way, at a four and a half hour rain delay in Cleveland, they have resumed and they lead 3-2 in the eighth. U.S. Open tonight feature match, for, uh, match, fourth round on the men's side. Topsy Daniel Medvedev against the entertaining Aussie Nick Kyrgios. Kyrgios beat Medvedev in their last meeting in Montreal last month. Tight first set, went to a tie break. Kyrgios facing set point. Tough volley at the net, just bites the outside of the line. They say it's a game of inches. In this case, it's a millimeter. Check out how close that was to being out. If he, if it was out, he would have lost the set. And then at 11-all on the tiebreak, Kyrgios, ridiculous drop shot, executed perfectly. He won the set, and he now leads two sets to one as they start the fourth set in New York. And on the women's side, American Coco Goff taking on China's Zhang Shui, who beat Vancouver's Rebecca Marino in the third round Friday. Goff won a tight first set 7-5, and then in the second, Coco showing off that athleticism as she will get to the net and get the break, and she goes up six games to five. And then serving for the match, Goff will smack the backhand winner, and the 18-year-old American is on her way to the quarterfinals where she will meet France's Carolyn Garcia. Formula One, Dutch Grand Prix, Max Verstappen getting closer towards a second consecutive driver's championship. Started from the pole in his hometown race. Verstappen overtaking Lewis Hamilton following a late safety car restart. Blew past Hamilton, whose Mercedes team decided to keep him out on old tires. Mercedes rolled the dice, decided to go medium. Red Bull went for the soft tires. It makes a big difference in the sport, obviously, what tire you have. And Verstappen on that move easily wins again. George Russell second, Charles Leclerc third. Canada's Lance Stroll another 10th place finish. Verstappen now 109 points ahead of his teammate Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc in the driver's standings. Final round of the Live Golf Boston event. There's Live Boss Greg Norman watching the first playoff in Live Golf history. Joaquin Neiman, Anurban Lahiri and Dustin Johnson. First playoff hole is a par five. This is for Eagle and the win and it goes in. Dustin Johnson wins the first live playoff ever. $4 million first prize. Ozzie Cam Smith finished a shot back, tied for fourth in his live debut. And I'm going to show you this from last night. Canada West football season kicked off at UBC. Thunderbirds and the Alberta Golden Bears first quarter. Thunderbirds down seven, but uh, quarterback Garrett Rooker putting some air under it. Caught by Liam Wishart, and he keeps his balance, steps in for the touchdown, ties it up 7-7. And then in the second quarter, UBC knocking on the door again. Derek Engel plunges in for the touchdown, and the Thunderbirds win their season opener 30-21 over the Alberta Golden Bears. And that's to Blake Nill and his team getting right. off to a good start. Go Thunderbirds. Go. Love to see yes. it. Coming up, Curry in a hurry. Squire Barnes joins us with the tasty tale behind a peony favorite. Stay with us. Global BC wants to see you at the PE Fair. Catch all the fun at this end of summer tradition, from attractions and entertainment to food and rides, and the stories that make it all come alive. The PE Fair, in partnership with Global BC. This is insightful. This is in depth. This is instrumental. This is inspiring. 
This is BC, the special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories on Global News Hour at 6. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Bandcam Freightways, celebrating 75 years of being Western Canada's leading LTL service provider. Welcome back. Well, it may not feel like summer today, as you can see behind Christy there, but for many of us, mini donuts and super dogs are synonymous with the PE and summertime. But for 40 years, the fair has been the only place the public has been able to order a dish from Curry in a Hurry. Squire Barnes tells us why. Curry in a Hurry has been part of Raj and Kane's life for pretty much his whole life. Uh, my first appearance at the PE was 1980, and I was two years old. That was also the first year his parents, Vipul and Balwant, brought curry in a hurry to the PE. So, uh, you know, he kind of, he, uh, he transferred from being a chef to more of the business owner, and then my mom really took over the kitchen. And uh, she's the biggest reason why the food is, is awesome and everybody loves it for, for so many years, yeah. She makes sure that uh, everybody working in the kitchen, uh, you know, uses the same recipes and makes sure that the taste is great all the time. And from 1980 until now, Curry in a Hurry has been a family business that's officially at three generations. You know, you can only do this with support. So, you know, I've, I've kind of got my son who, who wanted to work this year. And so he's kind of getting started. And as his cousins came in uh, the last few days and just saw what was happening, they're, they're all like, yeah, we want to work too. So I think it'll be uh, something that we can carry on for a while. Yeah. Is there any count, Rajan, in your head? How many of your family members have worked here? <laughs> no, no, um, but but I can count how many times they ate here, because <laughs> because that's all they would do. But it, it's it's good. We we like to keep the whole family atmosphere, and and you get a chance to meet a lot of great people. And even though the bigger family business is Moti Raja Catering, the short stay they have at the P&E every year has become a very big part of their lives. I get a lot of crowd that, that's remembered me growing up. Um, I get a lot of people are like, yeah, we love to come to Curry in a Hurry at the fair. So um, it's, it's been great to just keep it kind of as that summertime thing. And not only did the Kainth family know their food would be popular at the P&E, they also came up with a great name as well. Yeah, my dad came up with that name, and uh, I actually trademarked it a few years back. Yeah, it's a fun name, you know, yeah. and, and it's funny because every time we do an order and, you know, a person takes an order and, and our guys are listening for the order, and as soon as they take the order and they come around the corner, we're handing them the food, and they're like, oh, that was quick, and we say that's curry in a hurry. <laughs> That's so cool. A delicious and a very fun family legacy, it looks like. Christy, quick look at weather before we go tonight. Sure, still slight chance of showers overnight and especially tomorrow morning in through the Fraser Valley. Otherwise, you can expect sunshine as we finish off our long weekend. Sarah, back to you. Okay, looks good. That's all for us tonight. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday with us. Krista Dow is here at 11, wishing you a wonderful Labor Day and week ahead. Good night.